0: Well, welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast about liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I'm back, as usual, with Father Stephen Gautier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Thanks. Good to be back, Alex.
1: Welcome back to the cathedral.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. We're uh, recording again from our uh, the cathedral of our diocese, Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. And Father Stephen is the canon theologian of that diocese, the Diocese of the Upper Midwest, in the Anglican Church in North America. And uh, today, Father Stephen, I wanted to talk about ordination, um, the ordination of deacons, priests, and bishops, one thing that I actually uh, got to do on Sunday. I was ordained as a deacon, and you it were there. Was,
1: uh, it was beautiful it It really was
0: one of the most impactful moments of my life i can I can absolutely say that, so yeah, thank you again for for being a part of it and for uh fathering me through the process um, but today I wanted to to let our listeners in on on what ordination means um i the first of all i i think a lot of the people that i that were my friends that came to to watch me be ordained realized that at least in the anglican tradition and our tradition um being ordained as a a deacon looked very very different than how they were used to seeing you know deacons or sometimes even pastors being ordained there was a lot of ceremony the the bishop was it was it was there was a very serious charge from the bishop and the missioner general um, moment there actually an entire section of the service I was lying flat on my face um, <laughs> and as the litany was being read and uh, just just a, a very very serious and solemn but also really joyful occasion um, so uh, f- first of all though I wanted to raise an, an issue that I'd, I'd heard before. Um, uh, against the, the ordination of, of, of deacons and priests um, in this special way, is that doesn't the Bible say that we as a church are a priesthood of all believers? And if that's so, then then what's the point of, of a special kind of ordained ministry?
1: Well, it certainly is 100% true that we believe in the priesthood of all believers. I mean, we all have direct access to God. It's one of our privilege. We share in Christ's one priesthood. That's part of being a Christian. There are no second-tier Christians. So if we're looking upon ordination like we have a special class of Christians, no, no. All of us have a fundamentally share in Christ's priesthood. Having said that, though, so what is ordination? Is we're told Paul tells us a great length in his letters is saying that God has equipped his church, it says that each and every person in the church has a special gift for the church. It says for the common good. Mm-hmm. And we're told that certain ministries are for the actual structure of the church, to equip the saints. We're all the saints. You know, we're all saints. We're all holy. That's what the word saint means. We're all holy. But it says that there, are certain, uh, there are certain gifts. Certain people are chosen with certain gifts within the church, specifically to build up the church. Mm-hmm. And that's what ordination is about. Uh, so I would look upon how do you juxtapose those two things? Well, I think it's easy for us as Americans. I mean, all of us are really proud, let's say as American citizens to realize we are equal before the law.
0: Mm-hmm. There's,
1: mm-hmm. we have one law that applies to everybody, right? That's a fundamental principle. We don't like in the middle ages and things. You often had different laws applied to people is one law. The laws apply to everybody yeah. from top to bottom. All Americans are equal. Uh, and in sense, we're all equally citizens. But we don't see that as a contradiction to the fact that we have police officers or, you know, judges and things. We realize mm-hmm. that a well-ordered society of people who are all fully citizens and share the same fundamental dignity requires, needs to be equipped, right? Needs to have a certain structure built into it. And, and we're saying that part of God's gift to the church was he created a structure that serves, you know, serves that priesthood. We have direct access to God, mm-hmm. but we're part of a body. And that body to operate has to have certain functions to yeah. operate as a body. And that's really what we're coming into with ordained ministry. There's a good comparison, I think, in the Old Testament. You know, a lot of people don't know this. But we know, uh, the Old Testament specifically says that all of Israel was a nation of priests. It says in Exodus 19.6, which Peter is sort of paraphrasing when he talk, calls to us as Christians of being a royal priesthood. All of us as a royal priesthood. In Exodus 19.6, it says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mm. This is all Israel. Now, what's interesting there, now, we also know the same law. Right right there in, this, in the same Torah, we have, wait a second, but I thought Moses and Aaron and the Levites had a very special role, which they did. And remember, it's interesting. As somebody called Korah in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Numbers, actually challenged Moses on this. He said, wait a second. He said, "Why? That's the special thing about you and Aaron and, uh, you know, the Levites? You know, we're all equal. He actually says... He said, you've gone too far for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among us, is among them rather. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? So he's challenging. He's saying that Moses' special place, which God had given to him, and Aaron, et etc., was somehow in, it was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You might remember the rest of the story is the earth opens up and swallows them up. The t- real thing yeah. t- God's know that God disagrees. <laughs> guess
0: you were wrong.
1: <laughs> I guess you were wrong in that. So uh, I think that's the way to look upon it. There's no, uh, again, the biggest thing is to realize for us, we're talking about a servant leadership. Mm-hmm. You okay. be first among you, must be last. So we're talking about gifts that are not for the benefit of those who receive them. Quite the opposite. The gifts we have are for others.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's for the service of the saints, as Paul says of Ephesians, for the equipping of the saints, sure. to help the saints do their job.
0: Okay, okay. That, that I think, I think you that know, makes sort of like sense I like that.
1: the image of. Uh, back, uh, I remember someone once was telling me they were involved with preparing troops who were about to go off to the Second World War, as, the war did, as this country was involved, and saying the responsibility they felt training these troops, knowing they were going to be on the front lines. Their training would show how, whether they would live or not, Yeah, how yeah. deep they thought that responsibility was. Mm. And that's sort of what we're looking at. As Christians, all of us are, on the, are, are directly right there in the lines. Sure. And ordained ministry is like those people are equipping them. Okay. To make sure they have everything they need yeah on yeah. Um, those lines. okay
0: so so how does the church go about ordaining people? For, I guess how, how do you decide someone should be ordained is ready to be ordained and then, then how does it actually happen?
1: Okay well the, the decision is we call it discernment and normally it has, it has two pieces to it. Mm-hmm. it. is one thing one of the things that you just took a solemn oath yes we all do of all those who have been ordained is we say, are you persuaded? that God has called you. This is something we cannot choose for ourselves. It's something it's a special call from God. Yeah,
0: and I am so persuaded. I like am it. so
1: persuaded, but we take an oath which take very 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 much in earnest. But another thing is we could be deluded, right? It's always possible. And so one of the gifts to the church is the gift of discernment. We mm-hmm. can bring saying, I think this is what I'm hearing God say. Does anyone else hear the same thing? It's a combination of the person themselves being persuaded and the church saying, yes, we see that.
0: Okay. okay. Now, in this
1: particular diocese, we we have a very special way we do it in the diocese of the upper midwest is we call people when people say gee i think i'm called to to to, to the uh, to to be a, to be a priest or a deacon we say well maybe the way to look at it is what am i called to do in the church it's not the office it's what am i actually called to do to start doing that yeah and then we'll see the results of that whether it seems yes i think that's something that requires ordination you know mm-hmm. moves that way or whether it's something no that's something everyone has a gift for the church Right, right. To separate, everyone has a gift. We'll help you discern what the gift is. Sometimes that gift uh, fits into ordained office. Sometimes the ordination is not necessary, and frankly, is not part of the gift.
0: So it's less like a, a, a rank to aspire to no. or, or a job interview or something like that. Like, maybe I'll go into this career. It, it's a discernment no. process from both sides. Am I called? Does the church say, say, yes, I think that you are
1: called? And both Paul and Peter tell us that every Christian... Has gifts. The only question is which ones. And ordained ministry is a particular type of gift for the church, and especially it's uh, you know it's specifically aimed at building up the church. Mm-hmm. Now, what ordination? is interesting. It has three sort of pieces to it. it. Is you know it's always laying on of hands. That's what we see it done in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I remember even Paul says to Timothy, saying when he says you know you know he said. Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. <laughs>
0: right, right. You know, Don't do too soon. <laughs>
1: yeah. Is there a three? Uh, it's laying on hands. Basically, the church rec- and does three things for, for the ministry of word and sacrament. Word and table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first one is consecration. Consecration, we set someone apart for this purpose.
0: Kind of like what we talked about with holy water or, right. or, or oil. We're setting this apart for the purpose. Setting
1: yeah. them apart for God in a very special way. We're dedicating ourselves in a special, I tell people, uh, in preparing people in this diocese for ordered potential ordination i said to it's sort of like servant leadership it's like being a captain of the ship in this sense i promise as captain of the ship i'll be the last one off the boat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not that i'll just try to help a lot of other people get off with me right. <laughs> is that no it's a very special sense of that i have a special duty to even you know to every last person to to so it's uh, we're setting ourselves in a very very special way as a gift to the church our lives right right uh, second, so we talk about setting apart for the office and the work. The second thing is authorization. We actually authorize someone that can actually speak on behalf of the church in mm-hmm. the name of Christ. So, so someone that, uh, when I was, a, when I was a, um, a kid, for example, I remember before we, I'm so old, they didn't talk about stranger danger back then, but there was still a very real problem. <laughs> sure. And so I, I remember my dad telling his little boy, saying, if you ever get lost or something in trouble, go to someone with a uniform, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the idea here was the safety would be there'd be somebody who is not only trained, but authorized. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody else, you know, basically, you know, so basically the authorization that the church has discerned this, has set you aside, and has actually authorized you to speak officially on behalf of the, on behalf of the church in the name of Christ. Yeah. And the third thing, the most important, is the empowerment. Is It actually conveys the gift of the Holy Spirit for the office and the work. God never calls us to something Without giving us what's needed. Okay. Actually, that's a nice thing. Sometimes you're called to do something and say, "I just don't have what it takes." That's good news. It means God's going to provide it. God never asks us to do. Yeah. What He doesn't give us. Hmm. So the three: it's consecrate, we set aside, we authorize, and we empower. We call okay. the Holy Spirit. That's and what we was saying. That we are saying the, the Veni Creator Spirit has come a Creator Spirit. Yeah. To a special, uh, because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit for the the gift and release of the gift of the Holy Spirit for that ministry.
0: So, so this is different from receiving the Holy Spirit, which which happens in your baptism, right? right? This all, is a special like request that the Holy Spirit empower you to do the, the work that you've been set apart to do,
1: right? It's the the gift that we have to separate the 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 gift of the Holy Spirit Himself is something we all receive as Christians. Mm-hmm, That's what mm-hmm. it means to be a Christian is we have the Holy Spirit in us is so what cries out Abba Father. Paul tells us yes in Romans. But in addition, Paul tells us that there are repeatedly that the church, the whole body, everyone is given a gift of the Holy Spirit for the common good. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those gifts, but a very sacred gift that we actually have a laying on of hands. Yeah. for the yeah, for the Holy Spirit to be given, okay. It was only received in this fashion.
0: Oh, so maybe we should go in uh, once again to the to the three orders of ministry and exactly what they do. So I was just ordained as a deacon, but then my my priest, the rector of my parish, uh, Keith, was there right along with me, um, and then I was I was ordained by the bishop himself, by by Bishop Stuart. Um, so, so yeah, maybe we should we should we should go over those 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 offices again and, and
1: see exactly what do they do, especially in, in terms of ordination. Okay, well, the three offices again are are the bishop or the overseer. It's mm-hmm. the Greek term for overseer became bishop in english yeah episcopus is the you know api is over and scope is like a scope of a rifle mm-hmm. so the one who oversees looks over okay and that's interesting because in greek the word is has a richer meaning than we might see at first in english we tend to think of overseeing like the guy who is the boss yeah but it has another meaning which is actually even a heavier meaning and the meaning is is someone who keeps keeps a lookout for like, you know, like a babysitter or, or somebody like shepherd looking out or keeping a lookout. Yeah. You know, it's also one who protects by keeping a lookout for danger. Okay. Type of thing. So it has both meanings. The, the one who looks out above, both not just to govern, but in a sense to watch out and preserve from danger. Yeah. That's why God himself is described sometimes in early Christian literature as our episcopus. You know, as our, as our, the one who's looking out, for, the one who's looking out for us, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. looking out. So the, he's the chief pastor. Yeah. So the bishop is our chief pastor and he's our point of connection with the rest of the church. Because he's the the right hand of fellowship to the other bishops. And across time and across space is our our direct connection with the church. And uh, what happens here is there are basically three traditional gifts. And it basically ties back to, you know, in Matthew, at the end of Matthew's gospel, we have the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. Mm -hmm. We could sort of synthesize those down into three words that were traditionally used in the church. The Latin words they had docere, which is to teach. I say Church Latin, okay. Sanctificare is to is to sanctify, mm-hmm. and then regere uh, is to govern. Yeah. And here's what they mean. What does it mean to teach? Is it preaching and teaching? You know, we, we preach the gospel and we, we we teach the gospel message. That's the job of the of the of the bishop is to make sure a bishop is a witness. Remember the apostles. How does it describe? And we had to replace Judas. How how does Peter describe what's going to happen? He says, "Well, we need to have someone who's a witness of the resurrection." Yeah, yeah. And so to this this day, even though they saw it in a very special sense, it's the one who's proclaiming the resurrection, the resurrected Christ to the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, preaching and teaching, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sanctifying. That's our sacramental life. The bishop is empowered, is our connection with the the church, to to bless, to confirm, to ordain. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he has the fullness of sacramental power. You know, everything, you baptize, celebrate Eucharist, um, to ordain you know, uh, ordained to the ministry, the laying out of hands for ordination. He he uh, confirms, we talked about a confirmation earlier broadcast. Um, also govern. What that means is to guard the faith, unity, and discipline of the church, like any, you know, well-ordered body. Mm-hmm. Right? What do we do when people come in with false teachings or harmful practices or abuses? Somebody has to keep good order. Sure. Even in a family, somebody, somebody has to like you know, has to say, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's the job as well. So to teach, to sanctify the government, to preaching and teaching, our running our sacramental life, leading us in our sacramental life, and guarding the faith, unity, and discipline of the church.
0: At the the ordination, it was a, a chance for uh, a few folks, at least, to get a glimpse. Of uh, kind of the, the unusual clothes that bishops wear, yeah. um, Maybe we could maybe we could go over those exactly. Sure. I know Father Father or, or Bishop Stewart uh, explained what they are as part of his sermon. It was it was really
1: great. But well, they differ in the Eastern and Western churches. We all, we always have an equivalent. Some are identical, but some are a little bit different. Uh-huh. Okay. The first thing is they always wear a special hat in the East. It sort of looks like a crown, mm-hmm. uh, but in the West, what we have, I We call it a mitre. Yeah, and it's a funny hat. It looks like a flame. Like you imagine a flame on a, on a candle when you're drawing a picture as a kid, that shape,
0: right? Like a real simple kind.
1: Yeah. And that's reminding us of the gift of the Holy Spirit that the apostles received a special gift of the Holy Spirit for the church, the mm-hmm. birthday of the church. Yeah, and that's what's representing the bishop is repre- you know is representing that yeah. that charge to the apostles, that empowerment on the first Pentecost mm-hmm. for the church. Sure. And also he has two um, ribbons that sort of come back from the back. And those represent the old and new testaments. Mm-hmm. You know, so, we, you know, the, uh, so that, you know, we're under the Word of God. Okay. The Word, so of, God, the word of God written in the Old and New Testaments.
0: Yeah, and they're literally on top of his head,
1: trailing right, down. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what, one of those moments I love is with you, Alex, at your ordination, for all of us who are ordained, is at one moment in the ceremony we actually put a copy of the Scriptures on your head. Yes. To remind us, that when we're teaching it, that we're under the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. The Scriptures aren't frosting to put on the Stephen or Alex cake. Right,
0: right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are
1: under the Scriptures, not that- over them.
0: You know, I remember your wife, actually, Barbara, gave a a session on on the scriptures at one of our diocesan meetings, and it always stuck with me. She talked about how typically when we read the Bible, we're standing over it, and we can imagine that we're kind of dissecting the—you know, when we do exegesis, we're dissecting the words from the meaning, but that we're really the ones doing the work. Um, But she says, but in the ordination service, you put the Bible over you. So it's almost the scripture
1: is dissecting you. (laughs) You It interprets you. Well, it's a profound teaching from the rabbis. The rabbis, you know, I love the kind of questions they had to answer. And one of them goes back to the Bible. It's very specifically is what do you do if God actually talks to you? That was the question the rabbis had Mm -hmm. because it happened. Remember Samuel? Mm -hmm. When Samuel was a boy, uh, the the, the scriptures tell us that uh, he heard a voice from God and he goes to Eli, yeah. He said, what do I do? And he said, well, he says, here's what you do. The, oh, I, that's God. He said, well, you say, speak, I'm listening. Yes. You're hears. Uh-huh. And that's still the answer. You know, we only can, you know, we only can really understand the scripture when we put ourselves in positions that I'm going to listen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge. I'm going to hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like those conversations. Sometimes we're in conversations. You know, even though we're talking to people, we're not actually hearing them. We're just thinking about the next thing we're going to say.
0: hmm yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's all
1: after the scripture. Here's what I know I believe. How can I make the scripture consistent with that or work out a compromise? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We under, we
1: hear the word of God when we're really saying, I'm just here to hear what you have to say. Right,
0: right. And we have to we have to let the Lord speak and let him know we're listening, yeah. But So anyway,
1: another thing is the crozier. Mm-hmm. Uh in the East they simply have a walking stick type of it looks like a walking. For us we have something like a shepherd's staff reminding us that he's our chief shepherd. Yeah, yeah, His job is to watch out for the sheep, like the good shepherd, mm-hmm. to watch out for the sheep. Another thing is he wears a ring, a special ring. And the ring is a symbol, remember, Christ's bride is the church. Mm. And it's to remind him that his feeling, his relationship to his diocese ought to be like a man's relationship to his wife. Mm, he, yeah. Like Paul says in Ephesians, you know, what's that look like, laying down his life for him? Yeah. Anything for her. yeah, Is that that's the relationship he has. She, and, she, She's someone to be loved and and sacrificed for.
0: And you know the that that the the ordination service itself. A lot of folks told me they, they said it reminded them actually of a wedding of uh, where the bishop was almost you know marrying me to the church and like yeah. presenting me. So yeah, that 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 symbolism was definitely there.
1: Uh, in the West, uh, uh, they also wear a pectoral cross. That mm-hmm. is a cross over their chest, the cross on the, right over their heart. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they use the color purple. Uh, traditionally, it was came from scarlet, and the idea was their readiness to shed blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the the good shepherd it doesn't run off; he lays down his life for the sheep. Yeah. So those are the traditional symbols of the of of the office: the mitre that the, the Holy Spirit under the Word of God, the crozier that he's a shepherd to his sheep, and mm-hmm. everything. But also, the crozier means keeping them in order. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they so they don't wander off and get hurt. Yeah, uh, the ring. That is, instead of a king to his kingdom or something, it's like a, a, a husband to the wife he loves, mm-hmm, taking mm-hmm. care of her that way. A pectoral cross, the cross of Jesus on his very heart. Yeah. And finally, the color purple, ready to shed blood. Mm-hmm. It comes down to the, that, um, that would, so that's yeah. really the, the, uh, the Episcopal office. Yeah. Now, he needs help doing that, so what we have for that is, that's the office of the elders, the priests, mm-hmm. or, the, or the elders of presbyters. Right. And it's really just an extension of the bishop's ministry. They do all the things the bishop does, really, to help him. Yeah. So the only exceptions are is that the bishop alone can uh, can ordain. Right. The bishop alone can confirm. Right. Right. You know, but otherwise, except for ordination and confirmation, a um, priest do everything a bishop does. But okay. always they work. They are an extension of a bishop. They never, every priest is connected with a bishop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's why we had to actually get a, a, a date down on the calendar months in advance to make sure the bishop could be at our church to
1: to actually
0: do the ordination, because only he could do
1: it. And also, priests are never in our traditions, I mean, any of the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the churches of the great tradition are never free floaters. Mm-hmm. Every priest is connected to a specific bishop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are no floaters. <laughs> For sure, yeah. We call it being canonically resident. Roman Catholics call, call it being incardinated. But it means that you are actually in a specific... Place. It's like we're voting. We're all Americans. We all can vote. We can't just vote anywhere.
0: We have a precinct. We're, yeah.
1: we're, we're, we have to be hooked. We can change where that place is, but mm-hmm. it requires things to go. But you're, you're always hooked in a specific place. You're always... Every priest works under a specific bishop.
0: Sure, sure.
1: And one of the office signs for priest is the stole, the stole of office. That's basically uh, like a scarf that you wear down. You just hangs down mm-hmm. loosely. And that scarf is, is showing that they're acting officially on behalf of the church mm. it's bigger it's like a police officer when when a police officer stops us we realize he or she is is acting on behalf of of the law of public order right. it's not just the hey i knew you back in school no it's a police officer you know, it, it's a, they were acting in, in that capacity yeah so, so a priest wears stoles to show that right now i'm performing an actual act of the church acting in my official capacity right right for the church okay Deacon.
0: So, let's get to deacons. Yes.
1: <laughs> what a, what a uh, the term deacon means servant, and the earliest deacons uh, traditionally are in the early church. They had a problem about actually the distributing uh, bread rations. And right, things. right. And there they had to kind of some an practical people, division. people on the ground yeah. to make it happen right. My own namesake like Stephen. Yeah. Uh, among others, like seven people were chosen to help make sure that the bread distribution went right. Mm-hmm. But what happens with deacons is they, it's basically field ministry. And so what they do is they, first one thing important is they always, as a practical matter, work with priests. But actually, each deacon reports directly, is, ultimately reports to the bishop. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the the bishop's deacons. Mm-hmm. Now, as a practical matter, they assist priests in the field, uh, you know, typically. But, you know, yeah. they actually, um, they're not like a sec- second tier down. Okay, okay. <laughs> they're yeah. a different ministry, but both priests and deacons report to the bishop. Right, right. And that, that, that's reflected in actually how me and, and, yes. and
0: Keith, my priest, work together. We're very, very much partners in, in, in what we do. And actually, Keith, after the ordination told me, he said, you know, even though I'm a priest, when we become priests, especially in this diocese, we like to say that we're, we're, we're always still deacons. <laughs> we, still, we don't cease to be deacons. You know, we don't no. cease to be deacons, yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Now, what they do very specifically, symbolically in worship is they uh, proclaim the gospel— if a deacon's presence, always the deacon who reads the gospel. Um, they set the table, prepare the table for the uh, for the Eucharist. They traditionally hold the cup mm-hmm. in the ministry of the cup. Uh, they uh, lead the prayers of the people. If a lay person isn't leading them, they have the dismissal. Um, and they're also they have a particular type of teaching that's a little different because they they teach. But the, the high, remember we. In in Latin, people would make a distinction between it's a useful one between they have two different types of teachers. There's a doctor and there's a magister,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: so you get like a master's degree versus a doctorate. They yeah. both mean teacher in Latin. So what's the difference? Right. Uh, what a magister was was somebody who simply communicated the information, trained, passed it on. Uh-huh. A doctor was somebody who had to deal with harder issues, like new new cutting new uh, new areas, new questions, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, think about like a master's degree means you really mastered the field as it's there. You know, you have enough to practice, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're with new things. We think doctoral degrees, you do research in, in brand sure, new areas. Sure. So the idea is diaconal teaching is, is taking the accepted teaching of the church and making sure they get out there. Yeah, yeah. Whereas very often the bishops, in addition to doing that, the bishop often has to deal with harder issues that come up, mm-hmm. things that are not not always as clear. Yeah. His job is, you know, to make it in particularly de- defense and things. Um, uh, care for those in need is a very big part of it. again. The first deacons were about making sure people got got enough to eat.
0: Right, it was right. taking
1: care of those, finding them, locating. Them. We actually have in your service it you take special care to go out and find yes. people who had needs. One of the oaths, yeah. And the sign for office, your office stole, but it's different than the priest stole. The the the, the um, deacon stole actually is tied at the side, so instead of hanging down loosely. And this is a beautiful thing to remind us: the deacons are so busy doing real work. That it's like you have to remember in the ancient world when you wore wore robes, you had to gird them up. Yeah, yeah. So you're still symbolically a sash over the side. Sashed is is together because you're
0: almost like a soldier, like you're ready to to, you're ready to to go. go. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I like that. You're not not sitting around thinking about things; you're doing something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I should say something. We're talking about priests is one of the questions of people sometimes what should I call a priest? Mm-hmm. Father. Uh, well, what about father? I think. And that's a good question. I respect that. You know, Jesus said, call no man father. Mm-hmm. And how do we understand that? Because obviously in our tradition, um, we do call priests father. So yeah. we certainly don't take the words of Jesus lightly. I think here's a way to understand it. First of all, we're not troubled that some people don't. You know, as, as a priest, I know there are some people who sure. call me pastor, they could call me whatever they want as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But here's what I think we have to understand what Jesus meant. And I think where we risk if we take it too literally, we'll actually get the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And let me first of all give you an, uh, you know, an example of, of, of this in another clearer context, and then move it to, to if we have a minute, and then talk about how sure, it works with sure, yeah. the Father. Jesus tells us not to take oaths. James tells us not to take oaths, but we clearly take oaths. But what does Jesus actually say about oaths? His problem with oaths wasn't the fact that in a court you took an oath. The problem was people began to have two standards of truth. Hmm. You know, the saying, well, I have to somehow be really truthful if I take an oath, but I can get away with a lot of stuff if I don't. Like, I had two standards of truth, like the real truth. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm serious about it as opposed to, ah, just whatever. Sure, sure. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I didn't take an oath, so and I don't so, have to so, abide. So
1: Jesus explains, I don't have to to guess what he meant, he tells us, and he said, no, let your yes mean yes, uh-huh. and your no, so said, the point isn't the oath. The point Jesus was making is we shouldn't have two standards of truth. Right, right. For a Christian, we should always tell the truth, whether we're under oath. So we say in the 39 Articles of Religion, of course we don't. Some people, as a matter of conscience, don't take oaths in court. We agree we do. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a legal saying, saying, where well, I'm, I'm willing to accept the penalties of perjury. Right,
0: right. It's but, a public. But his thing. point
1: wasn't the oath as such. It was the idea of this double standard. Mm-hmm. So we know Paul describes himself as a father, you know, be, you know, uh, you know to those he'd brought to the faith, etc. So right. And Jesus also, we might point out, said also don't call any man teacher. Mm-hmm. The very same place. Yeah. Now, no, I don't think anyone I've heard of objects to the use of the word teacher sure. or pastor. <laughs> it's just what you do. But here's what, what was Jesus's point? That's what we get. What was the point he was making is in faith, and th- uh, this is really an important point in, in, in ministry, is It's very easy. Are we, are, we st- are we standing together toward people, pointing them to God, or are we having people go through us? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. Pharisees develop a system where they love the fact that they were basically the point of reference. Come to me, and I'll sure. take care of it. Like, I go to God. You know, it's sort of like a middleman yeah. type of idea. And so Jesus said, you know, no man's father. It's, never forget the fact that there's one father. He said, don't call me good. He said, there's one. Remember, it's God is good. Sure, sure. And so Jesus' point would be in all ministry is the important thing is to remember that we're always pointing people to God, not to our wisdom, to God's wisdom. I like to tell other guys when they're first coming to ordain ministry, saying, remember, in all your ministry, people don't need us, they need God. And we're only as good in ministry to so we'll allow God to do his thing. Point, if we don't pray for people, we we get people praying to God. We pray with them, not as a substitute for them. And I think that's the point. We're saying call no man father. So the idea is that they, that we don't look upon human beings as sort of um contract subcontracting the work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the term itself is a term of affection and relationship, has always been used in the church. Paul uses it. Mm-hmm. And so we're saying we're I think it's mis- a mistake of understanding what was taken as, hey, don't confuse the messenger with whom he's representing. Don't confuse a delegate with the person who's mm-hmm. sending him. Mm-hmm. Don't you know the, don't, someone who's sent, don't confuse the one who's being sent with the one who sends him. The focus is always on the one who's sent. Yeah. I think that's that, what Jesus is telling us. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's probably, that's probably a good thing to remember for all ordained ministers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sure. And Jesus himself, when he's approached by someone who doesn't understand, he's the son of God. He says, good master. He said, Why do you call me good? Remember God's the one. Yeah. Cause yeah. that was well, He was like just any rabbi I said, but no, no, you're missing the point. Uh-huh. God's the one. Let's always focus on that. Sure. I can help point you there to good, mm-hmm. but don't look to me for good. Right. We can look to God for good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the message. Yeah. Maybe I can add one thing as a professional, uh, I <laughs> Is people probably heard you describe me as a canon?
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Let's talk about canon. Are we wait? Are we talking about the yeah. canons that blow things up? Or, no, no. Or those are, are gonna... two ends.
1: Those canons have two ends. Okay. When you have two ends in a canon, you got trouble. Okay. But I'm a one and <laughs> canon. And what a canon is is it's, it's an honorary it's canons um, it's an honorary title. Well, mm-hmm. sort of equivalent to what Monsignor is like in the Roman Catholic Church traditionally Monsignor. Yeah. But what canons? Um, uh do basically originally it came from his people around the bishop in the in the cathedral. His priests in the cathedral often had special tasks because they were right there with the bishop. Yeah. They lived together and things and they did special things directly for him because that's where he lived. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> As opposed to their own parishes and things. Sure. And they became canons. We called it the cathedral chapter. I the see. priests who lived there were the canons and they did special things. Now what it means now, like in, in, in the Anglican world, I'm a canon is I have I I'm a I'm a diocesan official. It means I work for the whole diocese, not just for this this particular parish. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the bishop's guy. I'm, I'm stationed here, but I have a I have a special work for the bishop for the diocese. Yeah. So it just describes that. It's uh, right, you know, that, and, but and there are different kinds oh, of, different canons, types of canons, right? right. So.
0: Your job is 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 to deal with more theological and doctrinal issues, and but there's other liturgy, kinds of canons, uh, right? liturgy, mm-hmm. uh,
1: marriage cases, those kind of things. I provide assistance. The bishop makes decisions. I provide assistance in helping helping the bishop do that. Okay. What other kinds of canons might you find? Other uh, people who do administrative um, uh, functions, like basically chief of staff. Okay. Yeah. You'll find that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so canons do a variety of different tasks, but the idea of a canon, it's an honorary title. It's you know canons. Are um, I'm a priest and a canon. a priest is one of the three ministries. That's mm. an ordained ministry. A canon isn't an ordained ministry. A canon is something a priest or a deacon happens to do because the bishop asks them to do it. Okay, I see. Yeah. To serve as a canon.
0: Yeah. Um, well, anything anything else you'd, you'd leave us with 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 ordination or, or ordained ministry? Any any words of, of wisdom for your
1: newest uh, for your newest clergy member? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you that the thing to remember is the Christian message is all. Authority, from a Christian view, is always for service. Hmm. So, how do I know if I'm if I'm a good boss or a good father? If everything is it really about them or is it about me? Hmm. And that's the way the thing is. You know, it's always about the people I serve. You know, authority only exists to provide service. Hmm. And if we remember that, we'll never go wrong.
0: Well, thanks so much, Father Stephen, um, and uh, thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back next week with more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.